This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Heavenly Father, we look to you again this evening. and uh, Lord, pray. Use your truth here to uh, change our minds where they need to be changed. Lord, transform us. Uh, as we sang earlier, Lord, stamp your image upon us. Conform us to the image of Christ. May we, by your grace and by the inner working of your Spirit, reflect your glory, reflect your mercy, your grace. May we walk in love and love one another as you love us. Set us apart, sanctify us by your truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, any questions concerning what I talked about this morning? While you're thinking about that, turn, turn to Matthew 18, if you would. You have one? Go ahead. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was talking with a couple of people about that after the service. Um, and would have brought it up myself again if I, but I, I may have forgotten though, so I'm glad you did. Um, let, yeah, let me explain what I was talking about there. Um, for the, the kind of reconciliation to take place, like like we're we're reading about here uh, in this text. Just for example, um, in Jesus' instruction in verses 15 through 20, uh, he he's talking about one believer sinning against another believer, or I think just sinning in general. Um, there's a uh, w- when that person is unrepentant, there's a, there's a break in fellowship there. So far reconciliation to take place, true true restoration, and that's what I was meaning this morning, for that kind of forgiveness to take place, uh, where, where you're not only forgiven but restored, um, the, the prerequisite is repentance. Uh, we, we, you, you're not going to have a, a restoration of good, you know, genuine, uh, intimate relationship without repentance. Um, so, and what I was taking that from, just for example, if you look at the way Peter phrases his question, for one thing, and I did explain this this morning, but verses 15 through 20, that's, that's what underlies all of that. It's whether or not the other person repents. And if they do, Jesus says, you've gained your brother. So, at, if, at the point they repent, you know, there's, there's uh, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, even there, you know, depending on the offense, um, 
and 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 exactly what reconciliation means. You know, there, there, in other words, there, there may be some time involved depending on the. Uh, I, I remember Brother Carl saying, I don't, I don't know. Here's a while back. Uh, it's always dangerous when you quote somebody and they're sitting on the front row there. But uh, so I'm gonna try. Uh, he, he said something to the effect, you know, that if if someone robs the church treasury, you know, and they they go to, you know, they take all the money and leave town or whatever, but then later they repent, you know, and come back, good, forgive them, but you don't make them the church treasurer again, you know. Uh, <laughs> so yes, forgive them, but you don't restore them immediately to the same kind of relationship that you had before. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, th- <laughs> I think that's just good good common sense, good wisdom, prudence. Um, so that, that's true in personal relationships too. There, if, if the person, in fact, let me say it this way, if the person is unrepentant, you can't have restoration. If they are repentant, you can have restoration, but I don't think it's necessarily immediate. Some of it will be. You know, if, if, if someone, we go through the steps of uh, Matthew 15 through 20 here, and then the person repents, then yes, they're restored as a, as a member of the fellowship and as a part of the congregation. But as, you know, Brother Carl, again, prudently pointed out, uh, you would be careful depending on the circumstance. Uh, if, if they ran off with the church money, you, know, you don't make them treasurer. So um, there's, going to be a, there's going to be a time of proving, right, before they're back up to that again, uh, if that's the right way to say it. But anyway, there's going to be some time involved. But my, my point this morning simply was, that, that there has to be repentance for true restoration. And again, look at the way P- Peter's question is phrased in verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to, uh, up to seven times. Uh, and let me, let me go to a, uh, reference here if I can find it real quick. It's worded a little bit differently. Yeah, I know it's Luke, but I may not find it. Let's see. I think, okay, Luke 17. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> Luke 17, 4. This uh, will, I, I think, be helpful. Verse 3, for starters. Luke 17, 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Notice that. Notice how Jesus frames this. If if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So, it's like I was pointing out this morning, that our role to forgive is unlimited. That's what Jesus meant when He said 70 times 7. 490 times. Not, not meaning literally 490 times, but what He was saying is there's no limit on how many times you forgive as long as they're repenting. And that's, that's what He says, I think, clearly here in, in Luke 17, 3 and 4. If they repent, if they repent, forgive them. But again, I think what He's got in view there is total rest. Restoration or, or, you know, restoration to, to fellowship. But now, probably what Mary's thinking of, and, and, uh, and I would 
a little different qualifier here. But if, she, if she's thinking, you know, do I, do I harbor, and I, not, I don't think I was clear on this this morning, although I tried to be, um, does that mean I can, if, if they don't repent, does that mean I can harbor some ill feelings toward them? No. See, I mean, and if, you're, if that's what we mean by forgiveness, um, then we forgive no matter what they do. I mean, we, we, we don't harbor any, we don't have any animosity. We, we don't, uh, you know, we don't seek revenge. We don't gossip about them. We don't um, hold a grudge of, of any sort or of any kind. We, we forgive. But, but that's still not, right fellowship is not restored until they repent. Oh, okay. Well, I would say no. I mean, if they if if they, I would I would say no. If, I mean, if they repent, but I don't know why they wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? That would be kind of. Why wouldn't they ask? I mean, I'm just thinking if that was me, why wouldn't I? If, if I'm truly repentant, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I apologize to the person and say, "Forgive me"? Uh, I mean, it seems like there may be, you know, maybe coming short of full repentance. But but I mean, if you see evidence in their life of true repentance. Then just I would think just go based on that, and and uh, then maybe later uh, when you know after the relationship is really good and solid, you can say why didn't you ask? You know. Confess, yeah. So there's, there's a, it, it depends on, it depends on whether you're, whether you're talking about the, the forgiveness in terms of, of uh, the general phrase forgiveness and whether or not it's part of the restoration hmm. operation. If it's part of the restoration operation, there's so many factors. It takes time. It depends on the offense. It depends on, on so many things. Amen. Uh, and sometimes, it, sometimes you would say, "I'm not really interested as much as you saying that I repent." If I am in seeing your repentance, mm, right? Uh, and, and I think he says that in First John, "Let us give with our utmost believing." Amen. You know, we're forgiven. Period. Uh, I mean, the atonement is complete. Hmm. Amen. 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 Is that helpful? I, you know, here's the thing. Some some people will abuse, uh, and I'm sure, I'm pretty sure anyway, that all of us have probably been on both sides of this. But some people will ab- abuse another person in a relationship. 
They mistreat you, in other words. Some people will mistreat you. Um, so let's say somebody mistreats me. I, I don't think I'm, I do them any favor, really, and I'm serious about this. I don't think I do them any favor by pretending nothing's happened. But that doesn't mean, like I say, but, but like Brother Carl saying, you know, I, I would, Lord willing, you know, by God's grace, I would forgive them instantly and, and not hold any grudge, any animosity, but to pretend uh, that everything's good when it's not, uh, I, I, I think, is, is actually damaging to them. I think that's why Jesus says, they, they offend you, you go to them and you tell them. I mean, he doesn't say, hey, shrug it off, you know. Well, I mean, in one sense you do. Like I say, you don't get mad and you don't seek revenge. But, but you don't pretend like nothing happened either. You, you, you go to them and, and get the record straight. And, and, so I don't, and, if, and if a person is consistently unrepentant, I, I don't think we do any, any favor by, you know, we, we want to be, say, well, God had mercy on, on me and I want to be merciful to them. But I think, uh, again, discipline is... Uh, Sometimes the best means of mercy. And, and, and so Jesus says, here are the steps you go through when somebody's unrepentant. And, and it's not because He's saying uh, the time for mercy is over. He's saying it, it, it just, there's just different ways, depending on whether or not they're unrepentant, that these things have to be dealt with. It is merciful. That's why we're, we're blessed um, to be chastised by the Lord. When, when God chastises us, that's not because he's treating us in an unmerciful way. That's mercy. <laughs> he's treating us like children, uh, you know, like like his own children, uh, rather than treating us like strangers. Uh, so that's that's a tremendous blessing. When the church disciplines an unrepentant person, if the church is doing it in the right, or, or even another individual, if they're doing it in the right attitude, as Jesus is instructing here, then that's not a lack of mercy. That is mercy. What we're what we're doing is saying well, we care about you because you're my you're our you're my brother, you're my sister, or whatever it is. So it's, it's not a uh, it, it is mercy. Uh, anyway, hope, hopefully that's helpful. But but I would say regardless of what they do, forgive them. But in terms of restoration, I mean, if that's what we mean uh, by forgiveness, full restoration, there has to be repentance. The, the relationship can't go back to what, be what it was without repentance. That's a prerequisite. Which, incidentally, you know, again, thinking about Brother Carl's illustration, uh, this idea of forgiving and forgetting, some people say, well, if you haven't forgotten, you haven't really forgiven either. Um, I don't buy into that. <laughs> That's right. You you can forgive without forgetting, you know. Um, but again, with no animosity, no grudge, no, you know, we don't seek revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust is broken, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, relationships take a lot of work. 
a lot of work. They're hard. They're really hard. And, and what we default to is selfishness. So, I'd rather be selfish than to work hard for your benefit. You know, I mean, if Brother Carl makes me mad, I'd rather be selfish than to be unselfish and, and hope that I would, you know, uh, benefit him in the process. You know what I'm saying? It's just easier to be selfish and say, ah, you know, and then go talk about him and, you know, uh, wait for an opportunity where I can get him back and all that kind of thing. To, to keep a, re- a relationship on good terms is hard work. It's hard work. It, it, it requires <laughs> engagement, you know. And it, I don't, there's just no, there's no easy, there's no easy way. Uh, there's no, there's no magic to it. Say, well, I'm a Christian now, so everything is, uh, doesn't work that way. It, it's hard work for Christians too. That's much of the New Testament is written because there's problems among <coughs> Christians. You know, the whole book of Corinthians, that's what, that's what provoked it. Um, it's, and, and, and Paul is, is setting them straight. On, on relationships. Relationships are hard work. So, we, we've got it. Bottom line is this. We, we've got to care enough about one another, love one another enough to, to put the work into it, to put the effort into it, instead of just defaulting to selfishness and, and uh, you know, and, and whatever. Either holding a grudge, gossiping, um, you know, just... Going home sulking about it or, or whatever. Just do, do the hard work. Love one another. It, I mean, we see this constantly from Jesus in the Gospels. You know, the, the, the disciples, thank God it's recorded for our encouragement. But the, the disciples are constantly doing or saying something stupid. And Jesus is, is just constantly working at it, you know, for their benefit. You know, he, he's, he, he doesn't need, in one sense, he doesn't need that. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he could have picked. Uh, brighter guys, um, I don't know, more, uh, some that maybe didn't need quite as much work or something, I don't know. But he, those were the guys he chose because he loved them and he poured his life into them and out for them and for us as well. And that's what he expects us to do. And that's, that's what, you know, in, in our passage this morning, when the, when the king uh, comes back and says, um, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me, in verse 32. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And that's what the Lord is calling for there, that we, that we treat one another as He's treated us. Now, how much do we owe Him? How, how, how much have we offended Him? So, here, you know, again, it's easy for me to default to selfishness, but it, but if I will, by God's grace, stop and think, you know, however however uh, mean somebody's been to me or whatever it is, if I will stop and think, now, have I ever done that, or something equal to that, or more likely something worse than that, to the Lord? And the answer is yes. And what is His response? Love. And, and, and working with me to grow me. So that's how I want to respond to other people. You know, love and, and, and Lord willing, uh, doing something to edify them, to, to grow them, to help them, instead of just uh, being selfish. Yes, sir?
Yeah. Tell them to confront them. I mean, a, a lot of people, it's a, 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 a problem. A lot of people are not confrontational, and that's what they'll tell you. They say, well, you know, I'm just not a confrontational person. Um, to which my answer is this, and, I, you know, I don't think any of us want, you know, it's, it's kind of like when the politicians, when one politician accuses another politician of being a warmonger or a war hawk or whatever. I don't, nobody wants to go to war. I mean, come on. Um, there, there's just a, a difference in view of if it's necessary or not. Usually is the case anyway. Well, that's the, the way here. I think Jesus is saying it's necessary. So, I may not be a confrontational person, but Jesus said do it. Uh, and, and we're not talking about uh, attacking them anyway. Hopefully we're not. That's not, that's not what He said. He didn't say do that. Uh, just, just going to them in love and saying, uh, you know, making them aware of the situation. So, my, my, if someone came to me and said that, uh, my encouragement to them would be um, go to that person one-on-one like Jesus said do and, uh, and, and tell them. And, and you may be surprised. They, they may, you may gain, regain your brother or sister. Uh, if you don't, you know, then you, you proceed as, as Jesus instructed. Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's all stand for a word of prayer. <laughs> I, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of different views here, and then try to sum what I I, I think personally. I I, I would. Uh, lump this in with other warning passages in the Scripture, like Hebrews 6 um, and 10 and uh, John 15, where Jesus talks about being cut off of the, the, uh, the vine. Um, so, it, I'm, I'm going to have to make a statement here without a, uh, probably without a whole lot of support unless we take time to go through the Scriptures. But, but I, I think there's enough other evidence and other scripture to say that uh, Jesus is not saying a, a, a believer loses their salvation. So, um, I think that leaves us with a couple of options here. One is what I just said, that, that he's, 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 he's relating um, in, in, a, in the form of a parable, he's issuing a, a, something that's meant to be a warning. Uh, I, I kind of I don't really want to call it hypothetical, but uh, when, you know when we went through Hebrews, I, I, in, in, in those several very difficult passages there, and I try to deal with them this way, God gives us warnings for the express purpose of keeping us on track. So I, I don't think that a, that, a, that a believer actually crosses those lines and perishes. But at the same time, I, I don't want to minimize Jesus. Warning it all, because uh, what he's saying is obviously true. Okay, so so I try to explain it this way. This is what I did before when when we <clears throat> when we were traveling through Arkansas years ago, and I was I, I was driving a van and pulling a, a, a trailer that was heavy and uh, 
it had trailer brakes on it, but they were electric and they don't work very well. And, and uh, you know, we're going down the mountains and I can smell my brakes burning. And, and, uh, and then, you know, here we are cruising. Line. I'm working hard. You know, I, seriously, I had... <laughs> Uh, I've got one hand on the steering wheel, one foot, uh, you know, on or right above my brakes so I can work that. And I had my left hand on the trailer brakes, working the trailer brakes. And, and then I came upon this sign that said, steep and curvy for the next 68 miles. And I thought, oh, man, I almost wanted to turn around there and go back. Um, but... That sign wasn't put there to discourage me. That sign was put there, uh, presumably, by the state of Arkansas, the highway department, not to discourage me, but to, to warn me, you know, to do whatever to stay between the lines, right? To stay on the road. And I think the Lord gives us these passages not, not to discourage us, not to say um, that you could possibly, that a true believer could possibly perish but nevertheless, as a stern warning that, that we must be awake and aware and alert and not be deceived. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that would probably be a form of... Uh, um, Chastisement, you know. In other words, the Lord allowing our conscience just to, to to eat us up or something. Um, that's 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 pretty much the the approach. I was looking at, at John MacArthur's commentary on this, and and he was basic. That was pretty much his approach. He was saying, you know, this is this is not talking about uh, uh, like somebody. Dying and, and I'm trying to remember how he worded it all, but it's not talking about a believer perishing, which obviously I, I agree with that. Um, but he was saying the 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 torture and everything was was more just probably to illustrate uh, chastisement from the Lord and this and that. And I look at you know John Calvin's commentary and he said uh, you know this, this is talking about going to hell. Um, and, and a couple others I checked that said basically the same thing, except they're you know that we're not talking about believers going to hell. We're just that Jesus is warning uh, uh, basically against being deceived, being a false believer, and, and that that is a good warning to take from it. But none of those things seem to fit just right with me. And like I say, me, me personally, and you, and you can weigh all that out. But me personally, I, I just. I think I kind of lump it in with those other passages. Jesus is using very, uh, very hard language to make a very serious point in order to keep us from straying. Hopefully that helps. But it seems obvious to me here that he's talking about believers. But at the same time, I don't think... Uh, uh, you know, a, a believer is going to perish in the sense of losing your salvation. You, you may be right. It, it, it could be just a way, a, a illustrative way of talking about um, suffering chastisement or something of that nature. But any way you look at it, it's a stern warning. Verse 35, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. trespasses.
So his his main point is just that that we do it. You know, we we forgive. Don't don't be like the wicked servant in this uh, in this parable. Forgive one another, and don't forget God. Like we talked about this morning, don't don't forget our debt. Don't forget God's mercy, and don't forget our responsibility to other people. Let me give you uh, anybody else. Yeah, go ahead. True. Very true. So what you're suggesting is like maybe the guy's deceived, yeah, and and he's really not a child of God. Some of the commentators I looked at kind of suggested that, and, and you know that may that may well well be. Um, it it does when you get to verse 35, and he says. Um, his application of it in verse 35 is, So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart, uh, if, if he from his heart does not forgive his brother. I mean, he, he seems to, to be talking about relationship between believers here, but, uh, you know, not necessarily so maybe. But, but that's a good point to make anyway, because the guy obviously doesn't uh, realize the extent of his debt. Um, in fact, Sheila was sharing that with me this morning. I thought it was a really good point. And I, I showed her, I had a quote here from Spurgeon on that verse, on verse uh, where he's talking about that, the guy asking for patience. Um, is that verse 26? Yeah, verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Spurgeon said, uh, The servant debtor thought he only needed patience, but indeed he needed forgiveness. Um, he, he needed his debt wiped out. <laughs> not, not patience to pay it. And like Sheila's saying, because he couldn't pay it. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's very, very possible. Possibly the right interpretation there. Anybody else? Something else. Uh, what did you tell me this morning, Dan? Something else Dan said. you remember what it was? Oh, I know what it was. Um, it was on, on a different note. But uh, verse 33. <clears throat> should, should you not... Also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And, and of course, with the whole with with the whole scenario in view, you know, Dan made mention of it being the uh, the golden rule applying here. And that's what that's what it is. What you have in different language there, the golden rule. That's what Jesus is saying. We we need our responsibilities to treat others uh, the way we want to be treated, and the way that Christ has treated us. Right. And that's the that's the ultimate. That to me that that raises. You know, Jesus said both of those things too. He said, uh, you're, "You're to love one another, treat one another as you, as you want to be treated, but you're also to love one another as I have loved you." And that raises the bar even higher 
You know, because some people think, well, you know, if I, if I if it's just treat other people as I want to be treated, well, hey, if I did what they did, I'd, you know, I, I would want, I would want, which really wouldn't be true, but but you might be tempted to say that I would want punishment too. You know, I mean, if I was guilty of what they're guilty of. <clears throat> but what Jesus said is, treat them as I have treated you. You know, you have compassion on them as I've had pity on you. Love them as I have loved you. So the standard is His love, His compassion, uh, and not not ours. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. All right, but but uh, yeah, the golden rule is always great to apply in, the, in these circumstances. How do you want to be treated? Um, and then you know, and then work that out for the particular circumstances. If if uh, if Brother Ron's uh, favorite uh, bluebell ice cream is uh, what, what's your favorite bluebell ice cream? You probably got one. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, ooh, that's good. Yeah, well, we're in agreement there. But I'm, for, I'm going to say that we're not. If, if, if brother, and I'm just using a silly illustration here, but to, to make a point. But if, if his favorite ice cream is black walnut, and mine is Rocky Road, and he hates Rocky Road, you know, he hates Rocky Road, and he sends me, you know, you mind pick us up a couple ice creams when you go to the store. So I say, okay, I'm, I, you know what, I'm going to do unto him like I want to done unto me. So I'm going to get him a half gallon of Rocky Road. Because that's what I would want. Well, see, I'm, I'm really violating the golden rule there. Because what, what I would want done to me is somebody bring me my favorite. So, so, so I don't want to bring to him Rocky Road, my favorite. I want to bring to him Black Walnut. I mean, there's, there's real nice circumstances where you can play that out. You, somebody might like to be treated a certain way. Maybe it's not the way you like to be treated. But the idea is you, you treat them with the same kind of respect and, and uh, uh, esteem, admiration that you would want. So, you know, maybe you're a low-maintenance person. You don't, you don't need everybody asking you how you're doing all the time and checking on you and this and that. Maybe they're a high-maintenance person and they do like those things. Well, then, then do that for them. You know, call them and check on them and ask them how they're doing and even though that's not what you personally would want. Because the bottom line is, uh, you want people to treat you like you want to be treated, right? So treat them like they want to be treated, even though the way they want to be treated is different than the way you want to be treated. Does that make sense? Clear as mud. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real issue sometimes, you know, because you, you, you look at... We're different personalities. And you look at people and you're well, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want them, you know... Doing thus and so for me. Yeah, but the question is, would they appreciate it? So, anything else? Okay. Um, well, we'll, we'll dismiss. Um, I think I will just read. I was kind of going to go over these, but I'm just going to read them because they go well with these passages. First in Colossians 3. And then Ephesians 5. 
And then we'll have prayer and dismiss here. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. There again, there's the standard. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you in John. And it's the same thing. Paul's saying the same thing here, just worded a little differently. The, the standard is Christ's love for us. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Verse 14, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection or maturity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You can go through here phrase by phrase. It's just powerful. Put on love, the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called. Verse 12 says, we're the elect. We're the called. We're God's called. What are we called to? Peace. Love. So, he says, put on love. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. That's like we've been talking about in Sunday school. You, you were called to these things, but not, not in isolation, but in, in the body. It, it plays out in the context of, of the congregation. How, how will you love if there's no one to love? How will you be at peace, um, you know, if there's nobody to be at peace with? So let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And again, notice the one another here, how it's playing out in the context of the assembly, the congregation, the church, the call, the elect. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, and he's going to sum it up here, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now think about what we were saying a while ago about Jesus' instruction. You know, go to that person and if they offend you and so forth, rather than, you know, gossiping or sulking or whatever. Can you gossip in the name of the Lord Jesus Giving thanks to God the Father. Can, can you harbor ill feelings or pout and sulk in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father? Can't. Can't do that unless, unless we just, you know, surrender to self. Uh, we can do those things selfishly. We can't do those things to the glory of God. So he says, do everything. Whatever you do in word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Very similar to 1 Corinthians 10.31 where Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And another, quickly, is Ephesians 5. Um, right about... 
And this is this is coming right. Let's see here. Oh, okay. Ephesians four. I'm sorry. Ephesians four. Um, this this is coming right behind Paul's instruction to not not grieve the, the spirit. Now, look at verse twenty five. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's what we're after, imparting grace, being conduits for the grace of God. The the, the king in Matthew 18 said, you know, I've had compassion on you. Shouldn't you have had compassion on your fellow servant? So, when we speak, we're, the goal is to speak grace, impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I think the implication is there that if you don't do that, if, if you don't seek to edify and to impart grace, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Which, again, would be consistent with Jesus' warning in Matthew 18. So, seek the edification of others. Um, let no, word, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There again is the standard. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Walk in love. Walk in love. Be imitators of God. That's a high standard, isn't it? That's chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God. Chapter 5, verse 2. Walk in love. Chapter 4. Walk worthy of the calling to which you are called. Chapter 4, verse 1. It's a high calling, brothers and sisters. It's a high calling. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a great calling. It's, it's an honor. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. Let's stand and we'll, we'll pray and dismiss. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.